Think about how many emails you send and receive a day. Chances are, it's a lot. But how effective are you at communicating over email? That's what we're exploring today on the Standout Get Noticed podcast. Hello, Rockstar, and welcome to episode 284 of Stand Out, Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantor's communication skills trainer, speaker, and MC. In this episode, we are exploring seven ways that you can write better professional emails. Now, why is this important? We've all received poorly written emails, you know, the ones that ramble on and on, the ones that are so confusing that you have no idea how to respond or those long email threads where you have to scroll and scroll and scroll for days just to see what the original question was. I know it can be infuriating, but we need to accept that email is here to stay, right? In 2020, get this, 300.4 billion, billion with B, billion emails were sent and received per day. So it's highly likely that email plays a big part in your day-to-day communication. And I know I've worked with many clients who spend most of their days either in meetings, and if they're not in meetings, they're writing and answering emails. So you might be wondering, okay, Christina, why is it important? I thought this was about, this podcast all about your verbal communication. Email is an important part of your communication. And if you can improve it, you'll be more productive which means you'll spend less time writing them, less backwards and forwards with others. Other people will spend less time reading your emails as well. So you'll basically all be more productive. It'll lead to a resolution much more quickly. You better get stuff done. You'll also be seen as more professional, more eloquent and capable. Email is a great opportunity for you to demonstrate your leadership capabilities, your problem solving abilities and all of that. And as well, you may not realize this, but it can help you improve your verbal communication too. Because when you write an email, you can pause, review what you've written before you send. So it gives you that extra time to think about your message and what you want to communicate. And when you practice doing this, this can then flow over into your verbal communication. So next time you're you know, you're in a meeting or you're giving a a verbal presentation, you'll be more likely to think about, okay, well, what is my message? How do I structure this? Because you've already done it via email. So as you can see, many benefits to writing better emails. You can find show notes for this episode at thecmethod.com slash 284. All right, let's write some better emails. Number one, is to ask yourself the question, is email the best channel for my message? You need to start with the end in mind and think what is the message that I want to communicate? Because what you might find in some cases is that you don't even need to write an email. Maybe it's a super quick message that you can just you know, write on Slack if, if Slack is what you use or, or a text uh, is fine. Now, if you a good way to, to find out, to figure out if, an e- if email is the best comms channel for your message, if you find yourself typing an email and then deleting it and then retyping it again and you're spending forever on it and you just can't seem to get the tone right, you can't get it to sound right, then maybe a phone call is better. 
So, you know, if something needs a more lengthy discussion, if it's a sensitive subject or a subject with a tone of voice is really important, I always recommend a phone call. I'll give you an example. I, so I run another business called Podcast Services Australia and we work with organisations to help them set up their own professional podcasts. And we have a team that delivers a lot of the work. Now, we worked with one client. They were a university and we had one of our team members giving them feedback on their um, on one of their podcasts. And I made the mistake of not sitting down with our team member and asking them to run through what they were going to say. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. All good. Let's just jump on the call together. So we jumped on the call together and our team member started to deliver this feedback to the client. And they didn't do it in a very tactful way. Let's just put it that way. I wasn't very happy with how that team member communicated um, the, the feedback. And I could tell that the client was also not happy. And we ended that call and I felt terrible. I thought, oh, no, we're going to have to apologize to the client. We have to say something. And in that instance, there is no way that I could have written an email to to apologize and, and smooth that out. To me, I was like, this needs a phone call. We need to smooth this out make sure that they're okay, gauge the client over the phone and be able to work things out. So I waited till the next morning because I wanted to make sure that I was in a, a good place and I was calm to make that phone call. And I made the phone call and I said, look, we really enjoy working with you. I take full responsibility for what happened yesterday. I had no idea the team member was going to deliver the feedback in that way. I should have sat down with them and gone through it with them beforehand. And I basically, I I took responsibility for the error and the client said, you know what, I really appreciate you calling and, and, and sharing that. And at the end, at the end, we managed to resolve it. Now there's no way I would have felt comfortable doing that by email. So be really sensitive to the content that you want to put out in the email and decide if a, a, a phone call or even a, a face-to-face meeting would be better. Now, if you're thinking, oh, Christina, but my job requires that I have to have an email trail so that we have a record of everything. I get that. I understand. That's fine. Do the phone call. Like if you need to have the phone call, have the phone call. Then you can just send a short summary email to recap what was discussed after. And then you've got your email trail, but you were able to resolve it verbally. All right, the second tip that I have for you is to ask, who is my audience? What I'm really focused on is understanding what your recipient's personality style is like or their communication style. Are they very formal in how they write and speak or are they very casual? Are they very short, sharp to the point or are they um, a bit more friendly in their tone? Because if you're able to mirror how they write emails, this can help to build rapport with them. So think about if you've ever, maybe you do this or maybe you received emails from people where they, um, they're very brief to the point. So they don't say, hi, how are you? They, just, they might just write your name. They might just say, Sarah, quarter four report attached, done. They won't say, hi, Sarah, how are you? Hope things are well with you. Um, Letting you know that I'm attaching the report here for you to review, blah, blah, blah. Two very different styles of of communication, right? Now, if you receive, when you receive, you know, an obvious um, email that has a specific type of communication, you can absolutely mirror it back to them. 
There's something about us humans where we tend to like others who are like us. And when I run workshops and I coach people, we cover skills such as how to understand how different people communicate. And if we're able to to talk to the other person and mirror their communication style, it helps to build that rapport and it helps us to have more influence. It's the same thing with email. So you're just taking the skills that you, so if this is something you already are doing in terms of your verbal communication and your body language and mirroring other people's styles, you can translate that over to email and that works well, really well as well. A little wells there. (laughs) Um, If you want to learn more about different communication styles, I have a bunch of episodes that are specifically about that. They're like episodes Oh, I can't even remember. I will link to them in the show notes. That's the easiest way. The cmethod.com slash 284. I'll put links to the episodes on different communication styles. Number three, the third way that you can make your emails better is to make it clear what the email is about. I know it sounds obvious, but a lot of us forget to do this. And there's two two main ways you can do this. Number one is to start with a clear subject line. Now, my husband, Aaron, he he and I run Podcast Services Australia together and he sends me invitations, email invitations to meetings with prospects. And he used to write, he used to title every single one of them, initial podcast discussions. And I would get very frustrated with this because I was like, with who? Is it with like what, who's the client? Cause I would have these calendar invites in my, in my calendar that just said initial podcast discussions. And I had no idea who it was with. So I didn't know how to prepare. I didn't know what, you know, his website to look at that kind of thing. And I said to him, can you please at least put the name of the client in the email subject line or the event subject line as well? So that at least I know Anyway, he listened, he was very gracious and and he did that. Um, But that's one example of a vague subject line. One really cool thing that you can do with your subject lines is to put an action in them. So for example, instead of just writing quarter four report in your subject line, you could write quarter four report dash approval by COB Monday. Right. So you're sending it to someone and going, I need you're saying I need your approval by close of business Monday. Just make sure that everyone understands the acronyms. okay? we don't want more confusion. I think most people understand COB, close of business. When you have very clear email subject lines as well, it makes it easier for you when you're searching through emails. Have you ever tried to find an email that was buried within a thread of like 20 emails that talked about all different subjects? It's impossible to find and you end up actually emailing someone to say, can you please send me that thing again? Cause I can't even find it in my emails. Oh, it just takes up so much time on everyone's end. I was just going through my emails just to see what examples I could find. And I did find one from a client who wrote an email with the subject line. So shy, by the way, is our, one of our team members and the client wrote need shy's help re as in regarding refreshing feed from our podcast. And I was like, beauty, that's great. I was CC'd on the email, but because it said need Shy's help, I was like, I actually don't need to read that because they're asking for Shy's help and not mine. So I thought that was really good. 
So that's the first thing you can do to make it clear what this email is about. The second thing you can do is to include, is to write what the email is about at the start. So instead of giving the context and going, hi, Jamie, the director has asked for blah, 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 and we're all putting together a a, a thing and we're going to need some help doing X, Y, Z, so therefore can you. You've just like made that person read that entire email and they're probably going a bit numb in the head. And by the time you get to the the question, they might have tuned out already. So and also if we're dealing with senior level people, people who are very high up and they're receiving hundreds of emails and they just don't have time to to scan through everything, it helps them a lot if you can put the main point or the action point right at the beginning. So for example, this is a we might send this to one of our, our podcast clients. Um, Hi, Sam, can you please send me your branding guidelines? So that's the question. That's the thing. That's the action we want them to take. Can you please send me your branding guidelines? And then we put the context after that. So we might say, we're getting started on the initial design for your podcast artwork, and we want to make sure we're meeting your organization's requirements for colors, fonts, and so on. I could have reversed that and I could have said, hi, Sam, we're getting started on the initial process for your blah, 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 blah. And then at the end say, can you please send me your branding guidelines? But if Sam's really busy and they're happy to just go, you know what, I'll send you the branding guidelines. If that's at the very start of the email, then they can send, they know what they need to do before they've even read the rest of the email. Does that make sense? Number four is to structure your email. Dot points and numbered lists are your friend. Please don't do a stream of consciousness where you basically hear all my thoughts and questions running through my head that I'm just going to pour out onto the page and allow you to decipher. I'll give you an example from one that we got from a client and I've changed all the names um, for privacy reasons. But this is this is like a third of the email, okay? <clears throat> Can we please schedule Sarah's training session for any time on the 2nd June? Or if not, is there another available time that week? Tim has begun reaching out to possible interviewees and we're aiming to get a few done in the week of 7th to 11th of June with the week of 21st to 25th June as a backup if things need to be rescheduled slash postponed. Maria is on leave from 14th to 18th June and we'd prefer to have her here for the recording. Will this work for you? We'd like to try to get five recordings done, but minimum three in that week, although not sure if that goal is too optimistic. What do you think? I know it will depend on where each guest is located, but other than courier time, is there anything that you foresee may be an issue? That was one paragraph. Now, I spent a long time staring at this email And I wasn't sure how to start with a response. It just seemed like too much work. It was too hard to go through and pick out what do I actually need to answer here. I ended up exiting the email, going back to my inbox, thinking I'll get back to that later. And you know what? I forgot. And it was in my inbox for days and days and didn't get back to the client. And then I felt terrible because I hadn't gotten back to them. But If I'd received an email that was more clearly structured, it would have been easier for me. So you see how it can affect people's ability to even get back to you. So if you notice that, if you're like, why are they not responding to my email? Or if you're noticing a trend, a pattern that 
people aren't getting back to you or you're not getting the responses you need, maybe you need to review how you're writing your emails and and come to understand, well, is, am I being clear enough? What's my subject line like? Is it a stream of consciousness? Am I very clear about what needs to be done, whose responsibility it is, and so on? So in terms of the dot pointing out, you can just you can write something like, you know, here are three things I need from you. Dot point one, dot point two, dot point three. You might say, here are the next steps. For, here's here are the steps that I will be taking. Dot point, dot point, dot point. And these are the questions I have for you. Dot point, dot point. Just make it super, super clear. You may even find as you're doing this, there'll be parts of your email that you think, I don't even need to include this because dot pointing it out will really clear up, clear out um, a lot of the fluff. All right, number five, the fifth way you can make your email communication more effective is to offer solutions, offer solutions. A classic example of this is trying to schedule in a time for a meeting. One of the worst things you can do is to write and say, when are you free to meet? This makes it, and I don't care if this is like who this is for, if it's for a senior person, if it's for a prospective client, if it's for a friend, anyone, it makes it really difficult for the other person because then they have to go to their calendar and go, okay, well, what time am I free? Um, I've got some time here, time here. And then they have to write it all out and send it to you. It's much better for the other person if you can come up with three times and say, you know, it would be great to meet to discuss, you know, X, Y, Z project. Here are some times I have available and literally give them Tuesday, the 5th, 2 p.m., Friday, the 8th at, you know, 1 p.m. You could give a time frame. So sometimes I'll write, um, you know, let's say I have a pretty flexible Tuesday. I'll say Tuesday anytime between 1 and, th- and 4 p.m., for example. Then at the end, I'll say, please let me know which of these times works for you or suggest an alternative and we'll go from there. And so what you're doing is you're giving them the ability to go, actually, I am free on Tuesday at 2 p.m. They can just pick one and go, yes. If they're not free on any of those days, they might say, look, I'm free on Tuesday, but can you do 1 p.m. instead of 2 p.m.? And then we're fine. We're done. Another example is if you have a question, ask the question and say, if yes, this is how we'll proceed. If no, this is how we'll proceed. You get me? So an example um, I sent, we've recently been working with um, a university running a podcast training course for them. And we did the first session last Friday and I had the recording, the Zoom call recording of the session that they had requested that um, we send to everyone. So I sent an email to our main contact, right? Because there were like 10 people in the course and I wasn't sure if I, if she was comfortable for me to email, like directly email everyone in the course. So I wrote to her to say, are you happy for me to directly email everyone with a link to the session recording? If not, I can send it to you to forward to the participants if that works better. Then I wrote, and let me know if a Dropbox link is okay. If not, I can do WeTransfer or Google Drive. And you know what? The client wrote back to say one sentence to, write, to say, happy for you to send it to the group directly and a Dropbox link should be fine. Happy days. Only took, you know, one exchange to get that done. 
So thinking about solutions or offering solutions and not more questions is a wonderful skill to have in general, not just for emails, because it shows that you have thought about the possible answers yourself instead of outsourcing the thinking to someone else. I occasionally listen to a podcast called um, The Life Coach School Podcast by Brooke Castillo, and she does this great episode on, it's called Super Thinking, and she talks about, she says, you have a brain and it's perfectly capable of coming up with ideas because it's just as powerful as anyone else's brain. If you look around you, everything that exists, all the technology, all the inventions, everything, that came from someone's brain. That didn't just appear out of nowhere. So instead of asking someone else to access their own brain for an answer, why don't you try accessing your own brain for an answer first? Because it's perfectly capable. You can do it. And I, and I thought that was a really cool way to think about it. It actually got me thinking more about, oh, maybe I can, instead of reading more books or listening to more podcasts, maybe I can, my brain can powerfully come up with some awesome ideas too. So, you know, you can use this skill around offering solutions in emails. You can also do it in conversations. You can do it in meetings and presentations as well. All right, number six, you're doing so well if you're still with me, yay. Um, number six is to be specific about what you want your recipient to do. And this is similar to point three, which is make it clear what the email is about. Um, but this one's really about instead of writing open-ended questions like, what are your thoughts? Which then makes it really hard for the other person to then come up with, you know, feedback. Give them really specific questions. Um, so you might say, please review my attached presentation. Can you please let me know? Number one, is there too much text on slides one to three? Number two, are you happy with the layout of the diagrams on page five? Number three, does the explanation of the concept on page eight make sense to you? These are really specific things to ask for feedback on. I know that when I'm running um, public speaking training courses, I will say to my clients, I'll say, you know, I'm happy to give you feedback, but I want to know what you specifically want feedback on. You know, is there something you want me to keep an eye out for um, specifically? Is it about, you know, your ums and ahs? Is it about how you're pacing yourself? Is it about, do you want me to focus on your body language? And then that helps me as the coach and trainer to give really targeted feedback that's going to benefit them the most. So, when you're asking people to do something or you're asking for feedback, think about what would help you the most. What specifically do you want feedback on? And then you're going to save everyone's time and you're going to come across as very articulate and, you know, have, having the ability to, to think things through. And the final number seven, da, 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 final tip for making your emails better is to remove all apologetic language. Now, I feel very strongly about this. I work with many people who use apologetic language in the way that they verbally speak. Classic one is someone gets up on stage and says, oh, I'm not very good at public speaking. Or they'll say, oh, I'm so nervous. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I, I, if I seem nervous because I, I don't do public speaking very often. It's one of the worst things you can do. 
Same with saying things like, oh, I'm just checking in or um, I just wanted to share or I just have a little idea. Language like just little saying, oh, I'm sorry to bother you makes you appear less powerful, less assertive, less sure of yourself. And it can trickle over into email as well. So if you notice yourself writing things like, I'm just writing about, or I'm just touching base, or um, I'm sorry to bother you, but I was just wondering. Um, Another one is, I don't want to take up too much of your time, which is funny because you've just taken up their time by making them read that entire sentence. The good thing with email is that you have time as you're writing to go back and review any apologetic language that you've put in. If you're having trouble doing this, you can use a plugin. Um, I haven't actually used it myself, but I've heard it's it's really good. It's called Just Not Sorry, and it's a I think it's a Gmail plugin, and you can use that, and it'll highlight any apologetic language that you that you have. And so this, you know, practicing this in your emails and eliminating apologetic language can then help you get to become more aware of where you are using apologetic language, and then. Hopefully, you can start to be more aware of when you're speaking apologetic language as well. So instead, if you're feeling like starting going straight into the content of an email is a bit too abrupt for you, then it's okay to start with a greeting or another comment to soften the opening of the email. So for example, I I like to start with, hi, Jan, I hope you're doing well. I'm following up on or or further to our discussion on this. You could say something like, um, hi, Sarah, it was great to meet with you. Further to our discussion, please find attached my comments or whatever. You can also use thank you. I use thank you a lot, even if I'm doing something for the client. So if if I'm sending um, a proposal to a client, I'll say, hi, Mike, it was great to meet with you. Please find attached my proposal. Please let me know when you're ready to discuss. Thanks. Even though he should be thanking me for sending the proposal, right? Um, just say thank you a lot and you can use that instead of apologetic language and you'll come across as being gracious and friendly still. So those are my seven tips for writing better emails. If you want to recap um, or a written summary of them, because I know obviously email is written um, comms. So if you want a written versions of the examples I shared with you, then go to the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 284. In the meantime, if you found this useful, this episode useful, then I would really appreciate it if you could share it with a colleague or a friend who you also think would benefit from writing better emails. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Keep on being awesome. And I'll talk to you next week. I'm Christina Cantors, and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. Bye.